Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. I want to read to you a scripture today, a couple of scriptures today, that is both a great promise and a huge commitment. And I think it's funny of God that He does that sometimes, that He wraps His promises and commandments. And that's for our benefit that he does so. It's for our maturity that he does so. And it's for our healing and freedom and that he does these things for us, that he wraps his, his commandments and promises and wraps his promises and commandments. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Some, some verses say nothing. Some translations say nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's both a commandment and a promise. And how kind of God to do both for us. Do not be anxious about anything. Really? Is that possible? Is it, I mean, is it really possible? Come on, we're human beings. We're frail, we're broken at times, we, we don't know what we're doing most of the time, we think we know what we're doing the rest of the time. But in all honesty, we're a mess. And then God comes and speaks through, through Paul and says, don't be anxious about anything. Which means that it's possible not to be anxious about anything. But wait a minute. My wife has cancer. I struggle with things. You struggle with things. We all deal with multiple opportunities to be anxious. It's real. It's very human to be anxious. Yet Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. The Greek means not even one thing. Not even the minor thing. Not even the big thing. Now everything that's between the big thing and the little thing, don't be anxious about anything. But, in everything, with prayer and supplication, give thanks. This is a huge promise and commandment to us. And, and, and it's, I was wrestling all vacation long. I, I was anxious at times, trying to say, how can I con- convey this, what God is saying, in a way, because I know I suffer with anxiety at times. And that there is chronic conditions of anxiety that, that are real and, and they need to be looked at in a different way and need to be cared for in a different way. But God has a solution for this. 
God has freedom in this. I just read it. So it comes to the point where we say, I'm going to believe what this word says completely rather than the way I feel. It doesn't ignore my feelings. God never ignores our feelings because God is compassionate. We just, we just wallowed in some compassion just a little while ago. And we still are. So God, when God gives a commandment, he gives a promise with it. See, if, if, if you take everything in prayer and supplication to me, this peace that passes, everything that we could possibly understand comes. And it helps us walk through our anxiety. And I, and I believe there's something that God wants to say and do in our midst today that Sarah set the stage for us with this, with this symbolic act. But I think there's more here that we just gotta, we just gotta dive into. The Greek word for anxious means to be divided. It means to be distracted. It means to be busy, like anxiously looking around for something. Like you just, I'm trying to find something, I'm trying to see something. And you're, you're just worked up. But it comes from a root Greek word that means to fall to pieces. Anybody ever feel that way? Right? Yeah, we could all put everything in the air if we could do that. This is very real. Over and over, scriptures talk about, you know, Jesus is the, you know, talks about your worries and your concerns and your cares. And he, and he says, you know, I, I have overcome the world. And he, he says, we're more than conquerors. Because he knows how frail we are. And how we sometimes love to stay in that muck and mire. And he wants us to bring us out of that and set us free. The American Psychological Association defines anxiety like this. It sounds very neat and tame. Makes me wonder if they earned their money. An emotional, an, an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. That sounds kind of neat and tidy, doesn't it? I like to describe anxiety as the fear of the unknown. It is the fear of the unknown. Anxiety is the mind and body's reaction to stressful, dangerous, or unfamiliar situations. It's that nervous feeling that you get before you've got to speak to someone sometimes. It's that distress or the dread you feel before a significant or difficult time in your life. But some anxiety is good. I have a fear of being hit by a car if I cross the street. So what do I do? I look both ways. Anxiety sometimes can save your life. However, if you're doing this while you're crossing the street, <laughs> you're going to have that rundown feeling very soon. <laughs> if you know what I mean. However... We know that anxiety is not just a feeling. It's a powerful force that impacts our minds, impacts our bodies, impacts our spirit, and and ultimately impacts every relationship that we have on the face of the planet. 
It just does. And those who have chronic anxiety disorders, the impact is huge and far-reaching and sometimes freezes them in time and space. Keeps them from moving on. Anxiety is pretty powerful. So I want to put a kind of disclaimer before I go any further. Here's the disclaimer. Anxiety disorder, healing that, is not just a physical problem fixed by medication. Nor is it a spiritual problem just healed by prayer. Nor is it a mental issue helped by therapy. It is not one of the above. It is all of the above. It is a whole holistic type of when we're talking about chronic anxiety disorders we need to look at it in a physical way a mental way a therapy way and prayerfully indeed it's a it's a it's a different way so i'm not going to really deal with disorders today because i'm not qualified to speak about them but there is a way to deal with anxiety that i find to be very powerful in my own life when I'm dealing with it. Because we all do. There's not one of us in this room that does not deal with some sort of anxiety. Because it's a new, normal human response. Here's the other disclaimer. Anxiety, having anxiety is not a sin. And it's not a lack of faith. Okay, it's not. It's real. It could be very poisonous and very, very powerful in keeping you from making critical decisions that ultimately could be sin. We could make wrong decisions from our anxieties, just like we can from depression and from shame and, and from rejection, all those other things that we talked about during this series. Yes, but that feeling itself is not a sin, nor is it a lack of faith. Okay, so as I go forward, I just want to put that hopefully at ease, that I'm not talking about people who have anxiety, because I have it sometimes too, is a lack of faith. But it is an issue of faith, okay, how we apply our faith to it, so that we become stronger, and so we know how to have that peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of anxiety. See, if nothing's going in my in my wrong in my life or nothing is hassling in my, my life and I'm and I'm doing great on every avenue of my life I really don't need peace I already are is that good English I already are <laughs> you were a teacher <laughs> I already are it's when I'm in turmoil that I need peace that passes all understanding that's when I need peace. That's when I need to be able to, to come to focus and focus on God and focus on the way out of a certain situation. I can only do that if I'm at peace. That makes sense? Here's the thing. This is, this is not so much a sermon. There's hopefully just some practical stuff here. I when it comes to anxiety, when it, when it comes to sin, when it comes to condemnation, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to rejection, when it comes to shame, we can only fix, here's the first proclamation of the day, okay? We can only fix what we're willing to face. 
Okay? We can only fix what we're willing to face, what we're willing to deal with. Okay? Something has forced its way into your life and it's time to force it out. See, it is the difference of being a victim of all these things and a victim of anxiety or being victorious over anxiety. See, something has forced its way in. Something has made an indentation in your spirit, your soul, your mind, and it is affecting you physically, and it's time to force it out. And that's what I believe God is. The big message of today is that something has forced its way in, and it's time to force it out. And hopefully, by the end of this, we'll have some more tools in order to do that. So pray for me as I go on here. Remember, the uh, the focus is not on the wounds. The focus is not on the scars. The, the focus is always on God's redemption. That His purpose, that His plan, that His intention is to redeem us. Redeem everything about us. Mind, soul, spirit, emotions, relationships, everything that makes us us. He is set out and centered on and focused on redeeming us. So I know wounds are, they're, they're, they're there. And I know we have scars that are redemption stories that, that point back to those wounds. But the focus is not on either one of those things. The focus is that God has redeemed us and is redeeming us and wants to redeem us for. Amen? Okay. Okay. Hebrews 12. If you go to Hebrews 12, please. Hebrews 12. We're going to read the first two verses. And I'm going to take apart this verse as we go along. Okay? I'm going to break down some Greek. Once you see this, I think you'll begin, begin to see where I'm going. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. That word, that those two words together, lay aside, means to put away, to throw off, to take off, and put down. And it also means to cast off. And the picture of that is a ship that has been anchored to something, and it's trying to set sail, and it's got to raise that anchor in order to go. Okay? And so... Lay aside, throw it off, cast it off, take it off. Every weight, that weight is a burden, the Greek says. It's a heavy burden. And sin, which clings so closely. Listen to this. This is huge. Lay away every weight and sin, which clings so closely. That word word means, those group of words mean, skillfully surrounding and hindering. Does it sound like there's a plan against you? Something has forced its way in. It's time to force it out. That's huge. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking, turning attention and focus away from something that you've been intently looking at and redirecting the focus to Jesus. The founder. This word is beautiful. It means author. It means captain. And it means prince. Someday our prince has already come. 
for us, to deliver us, to redeem us, to set us free. Getting excited? I'm getting excited. Okay. Our captain and the perfecter, the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Despising in the Greek means I'm thinking against the shame. See, I'm, I'm not accepting this, this shame. I'm thinking against it because I know who my Redeemer is, who the captain of my faith is, who is committed to, to bringing me to completion so I can think against the shame and is seated at the right hand at the throne of God. Isn't that awesome? All right. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And someone with anxiety is probably saying, well, that makes me nervous right there. (laughs) I don't want a great crowd of people looking at me right now, please. Can I just do this in secret? Yes, thank you very much. But that is a beautiful metaphor of those saints who have endured and finished their race of them cheering us on saying, I did it, and you can too. So that, that this is a beautiful encouragement to me. Uh, of There have been hundreds and thousands and millions of saints before us that are now enjoying all the benefits of heaven and being in the presence of God continuously. And they're saying, you know what, we, we did it, we finished it, and you can too. This is what, by, the, by their life's witness, we can hear them saying that to us. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So, cast off the weight. Cast off the past. The trauma. And the things that lie to you about who you are in Christ. See, something has forced its way in. We've got to force it out. We force it out with the truth of who we are in Christ. There's something that has uh, been skillfully surrounding you and hindering your... And it's time to see that strategy for what it is. It's the enemy. And we defeat it with the truth of who he is and who we are in Christ. And so this, this whole verse is telling us to... Uh, to kick all this stuff out of our life, you know, to endure, to persevere, to fight, to be alert, to, to be strengthened. Don't drift, don't neglect, and don't take your relationship with Christ for granted. To see Jesus, to, to change our focus on this and put our focus on him, to see Jesus is to trust him. And trust him not just for a favorable outcome to our prayers, but trust him. Him, who He is, who He says He is, what He says about His Father, what the Word says about Him. This is what our focus needs to be on. Yes, we're going to, take, we're going to make our requests known to God, but we're, our trust is not that He's going to answer those prayers just the way we want them. Our trust is that He is who He says He is. And so we don't have to worry about the answers. We don't have to worry about the answers because God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. 
Here's the next uh, proclamation. It's a pretty long one, but it... Your thoughts and your choices dictate your direction. And your direction is a lot more important than your speed. Okay? Your, your thoughts and your choices dictate your direction, and your direction is a lot more important than the speed that you travel in. See, maturity is never in the straight line. I wish it was. For my own self, I wish, I wish I traveled in the straight line. Those who live with me wish I traveled in the straight line. And I, and, and there have been times in my life where I just thought, you know, if I, 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 if I could just get there, I could see it. Instead of I start walking over here and walking back over here, and it's, but that's okay. I'm moving forward. So the direction is important. See, and the way I think about where I'm going, the way the choices I make will dictate the choice of the direction. You see that? You see that? It's a, this is huge in, in realizing when we need to be free. And, and when that thing has forced its way in, we need to force it out. I'm going to say that as many times as I can today. Paul is saying that your momentum, that your drive, your thrust, your endurance is huge. These are forceful words Paul is encouraging us with. Again, something has forced its way into your life. It's time to force it out permanently. Once and for all. There are wounds that have become anchors. And all they do is keep you tethered to a very small area because you're so anchored to that wound. And we want release from sin and condemnation and from anxiety and from rejection and from shame, but we don't pull up the anchor of that thing that it's been stuck in. God is saying, Something has forced its way in and you need to force it out. Pull it out. Cast it off. So that you can sail free. It doesn't matter your speed that you're sailing in. But the direction does. And the direction is always towards Him. Amen? You know, and Paul says, you know, run this race. I'm not a fast runner anymore. I used to be really fast. So he didn't say what speed to run. He just says to run. So the, the, the point is that this is not a stroll. See, and I only know one way to run correctly. And that's with my eyes looking forward. Because when I start to run this this way... I'll run into Mike, no doubt. <laughs> and when I turn this way lately, I get dizzy, so I shouldn't do it that way either way. <laughs> but, see, if I'm looking where I'm running, and then I'm going to run in that direction. I may not be running fast. I may not be running gracefully, <laughs> most likely not. But I'm running. And Paul is saying, run the race. Be intentional. 
Run as if your life depends on it. Because guess what? It does. Your life depends on it. I'm not talking about life or death. I said your life, the way you live your life, depends on it. The joy and the freedom and the peace that you want to experience depends on you running this race. On me running this race. It means I have to be all in. That I'm no longer worrying about what's behind me. Because every time I turn my head to look at it, I get distracted. I get discouraged. And I fall to pieces. You see it? You see it? God is saying something so kind to us this morning. So remember, you can't can't fix what you can't face. So I got got some healing steps, and I'm going to start to describe these steps, and you're going to say, Jay, you've said these steps in a different way before. And you're going to look at me, you're going to kind of like maybe think, I've heard this before. Yeah, you have. But you need to hear it again. And I need to hear it again. These things, these healing steps are so fundamental and so rooted into what our, our ethos of our life is already as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ. We, we do these things already. But I hope and I pray that you see it in a different way this morning because I think something has forced its way in. We need to force it out. And I really kind of want to make you a little angry this morning. Okay? Not at me. Uh, you know, that probably happens anyways. But I mean, I want you to be angry this morning. I want you to walk out of here with a fierce anger against the enemy that's lied to you. And you're no longer willing to accept it. That's what I want you to be angry about. I want you to walk out there with a holy, righteous anger. And you're going to, and you're going to consistently remind the enemy who you are in Christ. And you won't accept anything less. This is what I believe will help us deal even with anxiety. Okay, step number one. Remember, you can't fix what you can't face. So we have to face everything with prayer. We've got to face everything with prayer. Facing with prayer redirects our hearts and our mind to focus on God's will, on God's purposes, on God's plans. And we, when we focus on all those things, we are less focused on the things that cause us stress and worry and concern. We occupy our minds in prayer. And the thing about prayer is this. Prayer is our great proclamation of our total dependence on a God who's way bigger than us. Now, if God can keep the universe running, do you think he could help us with our stuff? I'm thinking he can. I'm thinking he can. So, I'm anxious for nothing But in everything, I pray. 
I pray. I, I go to the God that can answer my deepest need. And he invites us to do that. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6 again. It says, do not be anxious. Do not fall to pieces about anything. And that, again, that word means not even one. But in everything by prayer, that Greek word for prayer actually kind of means worship words. It means that you're praying, but you're, you're worshiping as you're praying. And supplications, that's talking about our needs. With thanksgiving, the Greek word means grateful language. Let your request, the things that you require. We all got stuff that we need and all stuff that we require to be able to walk through this life in the way that God wants us to and in the way that we need to. God is concerned about all those things. How compassionate, how wonderfully kind of God. He says, bring these things to me so that you don't fall to pieces, so that you're focuses on me so that I can help you get perspective. First Peter 5, 7 says to cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for you. The Greek word there for care means to be intentionally purposed to, to consider. Which means there's, a, there's, there's this focus on what we need. And how God wants to care for us. Here's another proclamation. When you pray, it doesn't mean you get what you want. But you get what God promises. When you pray, it doesn't mean you get what you want. But you do get what God promises. And I'd rather have what God promises than what I want sometimes, believe me. Amen? Okay, we've got to face everything with God's word. I know, this is fundamental stuff. But when we believe his word, we pack truth in our heart, in our mind and spirit, and we are armed with the most powerful weapon that has ever been devised. God's word. God's word. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive... And powerful, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting down, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why do we need a powerful weapon that divides like that? Because we need to divide the lies from the truth. And that's what it does for us in our lives. Look, all of us, all of us, me too, we believe lies that we shouldn't. And we usually believe them for far longer than we should. But this is why we need the Word of God. Because it enlightens our mind. It exposes our heart. God is not exposing us to shame us. He's exposing us so we can be free. Amen. See, this is kindness of God that He does that. The Word of God brings something out. Never something has forced its way in. We need to force it out. And we can't fix what we can't face. And how the Word of God helps us face those things in us that we, we desperately need freedom from. And that's why it's powerful. John seventeen seventeen says, Sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. 
That word sanctified means to make pure and, and set apart. So the exposure of our heart by the word of God actually purifies us and sets us apart for him. And sets us apart from lies and deception, from things that make us fall to pieces. The word of God is awesomely beautiful and unkind for us. Then number three, we face everything we'd worship. Worship is ultimately expressing our trust in him. That's what it ultimately is. We worship because we trust him. We worship him because he's worthy of it. But I mean, worship says, no matter what is going on in my life, no, no matter what I feel about myself, no matter what I feel about the situation, about all the circumstances that I'm dealing with, I, I'm going to worship you because I trust you are in control because I'm abandoning myself now in worship. These other things in my life, they're powerful and they're awful and they're strategically planned against me to hinder me. But when I worship you, I see you and I only see you. See, this is what worship is so powerful when it comes to anxiety, especially because even when I'm anxious, in those moments when I worry about Christine or I worry about my kids, or I worry about you, I start to worship. Because worship gets my eyes off of all those things that I'm worried about and gets my eyes on, on the Messiah and then gives me perspective so I know how to pray for all those things more effectively. That's the power of worship. Worship gives us perspective because it frees us from the garbage. Everything that attacks our mind and our spirit and our emotions. See, because I'm, I'm just taking everything I am and I'm saying, God, you are more powerful than my stuff. You are more powerful than anything that threatens my, my peace of mind, my body, my emotions, my relationships. You're, you're more powerful than that. And so instead of, of giving my trust to those things, I'm going to place my trust in you. And that helps us have peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of, of heavy-duty situations. And I'm not trying to make light of those, those things. I, again, I don't think anxiety is a lack of faith, but I do, I do think it's a strategic opportunity to express faith. Here's another proclamation. Worship is the right response to God. Worship is the right response to God. And worship is more than just singing songs. It's using that grateful language that Paul was talking about. So we have to watch we have to watch the things we say about ourselves. And what we say about him. Because usually the things that we say about ourselves is in direct correlation to what we believe about God. When we say something like this, I know I'm supposed to pray. 
And I, I know I'm supposed to have faith. And I know I'm supposed to worship and read my Bible. But, and just fill in the blank. The moment that we make a statement like that, we are ditching our faith and putting our trust in our circumstances or the things that we're facing. See, that word but is a small and powerful word. The other thing that's powerful, what we say about ourselves, is I am statements. Because whatever follows I am, fill in blank, follows you, follows me. So if I say I am a failure, guess what I'm more apt to do? But if I say I am more than a conqueror, well, that changes my walk. That changes my head position. Now I'm looking up. See, if I say I'm a failure, I'm looking down. I'm looking at myself. The last person I need to look at is myself. We look to him. So that's why, you know, I am statements are very huge because they will follow you. So it is good to say over yourself, I am more than a conqueror. To say those kind of statements because that's the truth about who you are. And I realize we'd like to, in, in explaining the situation that we're going through or the, the things, the fears and things that we're facing that we need to describe ourselves in a certain ways, say, I struggle with this. But I would rather you say things like, I struggle with anxiety. See, because that's more honest. And it doesn't identify you. See, it doesn't place a label on you. I would rather say, I am a son and daughter of the Most High God who does struggle with these things. But God is able to deliver me. The Word of God is able to do instruct me so I can rightly divide the truth from the lies. See, the Word of God can help me see the way I'm supposed to walk and encourage me on the way. Jesus said, My peace I give you, not as this world gives you. My peace. See, my peace forces out that which has forced its way in. And I want you to be spitting mad today at that thing that has forced its way in. Can you sense that? Might just be trying to push that a little bit. Let's look at Philippians 4 7. And the peace of God. That word peace means quietness, it means rest, and it means, never the other word, anxiety means fall to pieces. This word means made one again. Isn't that great? Is that so kind of God? When you fall to pieces, when anxiety takes you apart, the peace of God puts you back together again. Oh, God, you're so kind to us. 
Oh, God, you're so kind to us. And let the peace of God which surpasses, that word surpasses means to be above, to be superior in rank and authority and power. Surpasses all understanding. Will guard. (laughs) Will hem you in. Will protect you. And surround you with an army. That's pretty well guarded. That's, That's powerful what God intends to do for us. And He promises to do it in in your hearts, in your minds, because of Christ Jesus. No longer in pieces, no longer distracted, no longer divided, and in the midst of anxiety even, there can be peace. And we don't have to figure it out. His peace is superior to our understanding and guards our hearts and minds. We can think correctly. We can think clearly, even when our spirit is anxious. That's when I really need peace. That's when I really need to be put back together. When I'm falling apart, I need God to come in and put me back together so that my heart and my mind is in sync with His. See, that's the way to be at perfect peace. When we think like Jesus, we had the what mind of Christ. See how all these scriptures connect? Isn't that amazing? God is smart. Okay, we getting this? Getting this? Anxiety is real. It's not a sin. It's not a lack of faith. But often the root cause of anxiety is some. Some kind of fear. It's fear of the unknown. And somewhere, maybe that got planted in you, if it's become a little bit more chronic or a little bit more consistent in your life. Something has forced its way in. It has tried to lay claim to a part of your life that it has no authority to do so. You have the authority to force this thing out. And you do it by faith. And you do it with the word. And you do it with prayer. And you do it with worship. But we do this together.